We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The draft is finished. Where do the top rookies fit into Dynasty Fantasy Rankings? Curtis has his ideas. We'll find out if I agree on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We have been waiting a long time. The draft has happened. We now know where all of the rookies are going to be playing football next year. How are you doing, Curtis? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, it was such a grind getting through all of that. Uh, but we came out alive and like now the, the cool thing about the NFL draft beyond like just the spectacle of it all is it, you know, we've been doing the, you know, dynasty startups and, you know, early best ball and all that, but it really, it separates the calendar, right? Like after the NFL drafts over, we're officially full on into practical application mode. Like it's now it is draft time. Like that is all of the focus is, you know, what, what structure is going to make the the most sense this year, which players are going to be our targets in which areas of the draft this year, who are the league winners going to be, you know, where do we really want that ownership to be strong? I mean, this is, this is what it's all about, man. Um, so yeah, very, very excited. And you know, we got some huge fantasy contests that we're going to be strategizing for uh, on FFPC and underdog, of course, you know, underdog uh, and FFPC, both, you know, good partners of this podcast. And we see FFPC, they've launched a $5,000 buy-in dynasty league um, <laughs> last week. And so it's been really fun to see uh, where some of those players are going in the first round, how early will Bajan Robinson come off of the board in a $5,000 dynasty league. And then of course, underdog launching best ball media for Dave with a $3 million grand prize this year. So I, I mean, if that doesn't get us juiced, I don't know what will. And, you know, I, I w really wanted to take a crack at first slotting in some of the top rookies um, from last week's draft into Dynasty Superflex um, rankings. So, you know, our rookie rankings are out, but where do these guys stack up, you know, from like a, a new startup draft perspective? Which veterans are they in front of? Which veterans are they behind? I've got each of these four players, Dave sandwiched in between, you know, two veterans on the, on the low end and on the high end. I want to see if you think I've got them in the right range, 
would you move them up? Would you move them down? But try to provide some practical guidance there uh, for the readers. And then, you know, hey, from here, we'll have to talk about where they belong in redraft. Yeah, absolutely. So I am looking forward to that. Um, this is going to be this is going to be a bit of a reset, man. So this is this is great because now what we get yeah. to do is we get to throw away all of those preconceived notions that we might have had for the last couple of months or you know maybe even the last couple of years now. We got to we got to set things anew. I am going to hit a sound effect here and then we're going to start breaking this down. All right. All right, Dave. So like, you know, we're talking about, you know, the dust settling. Right. And, and, and now, now we got to talk about the players. So I, I, I dropped an article the other day. It's still on the front page of the site. So, you know, if you're the, the type that likes to listen as you read, you can pull it up, follow along. If not, you, know, you can go back and reference if you, if you liked this pod today, you want to go back and, you know, get some of the high level takeaways there in the article. But where we ended up in our Rotoviz fantasy football rookie draft guide rankings was with Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Anthony Richardson atop those rankings. And so I wanted to go through personally because I'm, you know, resetting my dynasty rankings to adjust for the landing spots. I just wanted to start with those four guys. because I, th- I really think, you know, our team came away feeling like, the, you know, there's a clear top three and those top three are not quarterbacks. But if there was going to be an elite quarterback that would emerge, even with a much lower floor, that ceiling would belong to Anthony Richardson. So these are the four I feel like it's really important to get right and that's the focus of the the article, Dave. So obviously, you know, Robinson's at the top. He's my new RB1 in Dynasty overall. And, you know, a couple supporting facts here. You know, he lands in a fantasy situation where, you know, the, the coaching staff we know wants to have a power rushing attack. I mean, Arthur Smith helped to design, implement, and manage the Derrick Henry uh, boom offense in Tennessee. Obviously it's easy to do that when you have a player like De- Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry hadn't, didn't always do that. You know, somebody had to finally give him the reins and say, we're going to try to win football games this way. That's the guy that's at the helm for Bijan Robinson's rookie contract. The advanced stats explorer, Dave shows us that Tyler Algier ranked tied sixth in yards per carry and tie seven and carries executed through the design gap last year. So you had a really a situation where you know a day three pick had a really nice situation where you know offensive line you know allowed him to have some good efficiency metrics and you know the plays that were called were the plays that were run. Now you drop in an elite player like Bijan Robinson into that situation. I mean, Algier was a a thousand yard threat last year. What's Robinson going to do? So that's that's what's really cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you where I've got him dropped in here. Then I'm going to share, you know, what I think maybe his NFL ceiling looks like after you respond to where I've got him slotted in. So Bijan Robinson, super flex dynasty value. I've got him RB one overall, player eleven overall, and he comes right after that um, big first tier of quarterbacks. So at nine overall, I've got Justin Herbert. Ten overall, Lamar Jackson. Now that he's got the contract dispute settled, and then I've got eleven Bijan Robinson, followed by my dynasty RB two and three Brees hall and Jonathan Taylor. What do you think about that range higher, lower, just right? I actually think it's just right. Um, I have not made my way through doing my updated rankings post draft yet, but that certainly feels like where you would expect him to go. 
the first question people is probably going to have is when they're thinking about it, where does he slate in, in relation to the running backs? And I, I don't think there's really much of a question that I would have right now about putting him in as the RB one overall in dynasty for all of the reasons that we've talked about. Then as you just laid out, you compound what we've mentioned prior with this situation that he's in, it just makes sense. You had Brees Hall, who was looking great, had a bit of, you know, now his profile has changed a little bit with the injury. Personally, I think Robinson's probably slightly better prospect than Hall was. Yep. You yep. have guys like Jonathan Taylor, who at this point already pretty far into his running back career. Same thing yeah, for Christian McCaffrey. It just makes sense. Um, given the nature of the game, you're going to have some of those top-level quarterbacks above him. Um but beyond that, and of course, he's you know, and he's behind you know Jamar Chase and right. Justin Jefferson too. Those sure. are the other two, other two players as well. I mean, you know, I, I guess if I'm like I'm going to try to support you know a make believe argument against myself here, you know, Blair brought this up actually when we were doing our rookie summit on Sunday before the guide dropped, and it's like, you know, if you believe in the running back prospect, you've really got to get them right for year one because year one is arguably the mm -hmm. most important year. Yep. I mean, year one and year two, those are the years that you really want to own these guys that are the, the uber elites. Like that back half of year one is fantasy championship, you know, recipe for success. And then, you know, that value just skyrockets to, to year two. And then from there, it's like, you're almost thinking, all right, what's the path out look for, look like for this guy. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's why we feel justified. Now, if Brees Hall hadn't been injured, you know, maybe that would be a little tougher. Like yeah. if Brees Hall turns in, you know, a, a fantastic year, you know, he came out, he was a really young prospect, I think age 20 when the season started, you know, this would have been a tougher debate, but you know, there's almost a tear break in my head too. Like it's not just 11, then 12. It's like, you know, Robinson would be, you know, like a second round pick above Hall almost in, in, in my head here. Now, a couple of thoughts and, and Sean sparked some of this conversation. We had a good uh, back and forth about this as well. As good as Robinson is like me ranking him at 11 here. I'm wondering if it's already a top out on his dynasty value because the Atlanta situation is great, but he's not going to get a hundred targets there. Like that's just right. not that's not the offense they're going to run. And so I'm wondering, Dave, if his elite upside is a little bit more tied to outlier level rushing yardage and outlier level, you know, rushing touchdowns like Jonathan Taylor's 2021 season. Right. So that to me, 1800 rushing yards and 18 rushing touchdowns with like 40 catches, like that's more, it would be like, Bijan Robinson would be like if Nick Chubb ever had a ceiling year or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's peak years. Those are the types of years that I think that we get. They're well over 300 PPR, but they fall short of like, you know, peak McCaffrey, peak Austin Eckler, peak Kamara, just because you're going to run short on those additional receiving touchdowns or receiving uh, receptions rather, I think. Yeah, sure. It's really hard to understate how important uh, the reception element becomes when you're looking at those top tier running backs in the league that we're seeing now. But I think that we've covered the ground we need to cover yep. on Robinson. I'm with you there. Uh, always fun when you get to see that prospect that everybody has just been touting get yeah. picked so early and the question is just answered. There were a couple of other guys that we did have to wait a little bit longer in the draft that we'll talk about to see them get picked. But after Robinson, 
maybe the biggest fa- surprise for fantasy purposes of the draft. We see who was our running back to Jameer Gibbs go to the Detroit Lions with a top 12 pick, Curtis. Yeah, and Gibbs, you know, he's our RB2 for rookie rankings. He also ends up as our player number two yep. for rookie rankings, and which is a pretty big statement And until you start to, to peel it back a little bit more. So I've already got Gibbs as my dynasty RB5. So he's behind the three that we already mentioned, plus McCaffrey, and then it's Gibbs. Um, and, you know, he, he outperformed expectations from a draft capital perspective, right? We thought maybe he'd be one of those running backs that goes in the Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry area, like that, you know, very top of round two, you know, maybe the very end of round one, would he get like the Clyde Edwards, Alaire treatment just for the extra year on the rookie deal? I mean, the Lions said that they would have drafted him at six overall in front of John Robinson if they hadn't <laughs> been able to trade back, which yeah. that tells you what they're thinking about this yes. guy. Yes. But, you know, I was doing some research, Dave, and I was just reminded how rare it is for backs to go in the top 12. Like it's rare, you know, in the past 10 to 15 years to get round one status, but it's really rare to go top 12. In fact, in the past decade before this year's draft, only five other players at the running back position had been drafted in the top 12. In 2015, we had Todd Gurley, 2016, Ezekiel Elliott, 2017, we had both Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. And then in 2018, we had Saquon Barkley. All four of those guys, massive fantasy success. Um, you know, just, you know, fantasy highways are just littered with RB1 performances, you know, from these guys. And so for Robinson and Gibbs to both join in this year, I think, you know, it's not a surprise for Robinson, but, you know, with Gibbs, we now have to say, hey, the NFL, even though we could sit here and debate whether it makes sense to spend this high of a pick on a player like that, you know, only Gurley was on a team that, won a Super Bowl, and I'm pretty sure he didn't even get to play in it. Uh, I think it was like C.J. Anderson or something, right? Wasn't Gurley busted um, at that time? And so, you know, none of these other teams had, you know, too much success. So we could debate that, but we don't care about that as much from a fantasy perspective. What is interesting is that all of these guys got the early workloads and, you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's like self-fulfilling prophecy you know, because the teams give the touches to the guys they invested in, or if the teams are actually just good at identifying the backs who are going to excel and demand the touches, it doesn't really matter. For fantasy, it's been really projectable. You know, all these guys getting well over 200 touches their first year, uh, and, and in some cases, many more. I've got Gibbs RB5 slotted in 19 overall for Superflex Fantasy Startups. He comes behind the next mini tier of quarterbacks, Dave. So at 17, I've got Kyler Murray. Of course, He's sitting a level below now those top guys that I mentioned because of the injury. And I mean, really some performance related questions I think are fair to raise at this point, but we still recognize and appreciate a ceiling. And then Deshaun Watson, who, you know, I personally am still pretty high on. I think that after a regular off season and, and, um, you know, a chance to actually fully implement things, he's going to be back where he needs to be. But then I've got Gibbs followed by, um, that second tier of wide receivers in Jalen Waddle and AJ Brown. What do you think about Gibbs? You know, too high, too low, just right. What What are your comments? Yeah. So I guess the the first thing I will say just to set the stage and some of the work that I've been doing uh, since the draft finished, I spent some time looking at some 
running back work that I had done prior. And the largest takeaway from that that I had was this is a really good prospect right now in just about all of the exercises that I can go through. He ends up in that top bucket of NFL running back in years one through three going to be a player that scores a ton of points unless he becomes a significant outlier. As a result of that, I think it's perfectly fair for you to put him ahead of a guy that I really love like Jalen Waddle, like an AJ Brown, because that running back like that, that profile that he's in now is just so rare. It makes sense. In fact, I'd almost question if perhaps he could go ahead of a Deshaun Watson and a Kyler Murray. Right now we have questions about Kyler given the injury hasn't really come into fruition to that quarterback that we've been thinking and hoping for the last couple of years that he could be Watson. There's still question marks. I understand the prudence of putting him there. I'm not sure when I actually made my way through, if I would put them at, if I would actually put Gibbs ahead of them, but I think it just kind of speaks to how important this draft position was. And now we have that overall, overall profile just how good Gibbs could be. Yeah. And I mean, the, the people that will push back on, on, you know, a Gibbs rating this highly or even being the one or two in the class. Cause yep. there are some that still would say, Hey, how are you not going to take a quarterback there? Yep. Um, there are three quarterbacks that win the top four or, you know, there's still some JSN uh, fans in that location too. But I mean, arguing against it for David Montgomery, I mean, David Montgomery did get some, you know, he did get some, um, I mean, he got paid. He got, he got paid. He got paid. He'd be there for a couple of years, but you know, I mean, the, the Lions, you know, I think they've been trying to kind of find the right mix of players. You know, the, this this team is kind of building the New Orleans Saints way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you see that with a, a distributor of the ball and Goff, who's not dynamic, but, you know, his, uh, you know, his, his metrics really improved last year. You know, they're trying to get him to, to cut down on the turnovers, you know, accuracy, get the ball out quick, whatever. They're even talking about extending him, but... You know, then you get Montgomery maybe in that Mark Ingram role. You get Gibbs in this Alvin Kamara role. Mm-hmm. Kamara, you know, 80-plus 80, 80 receptions in three straight years. You know, we they've got a lot of vacated running back targets. And, you know, that's the exciting thing about Gibbs is, you know, I don't think that we'll ever look at him as a player that you know, he, he may never even rush for 1,000 yards. He may be one of those guys that's like in that 800 to 1,100 rushing yard area as a cap. But if he's, if he's throwing 70, 80 receptions on top of there for another 600 yards and the touchdowns that go with that, right. it just, you know, completely, you know, it, it just, it makes his fantasy ceiling so appealing. And, and I was used, playing around in the prospect box score scout and, and, you know, doing some, I guess, manual filtering down to just players that were within the last decade. And I mean, I don't think it's any surprise. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is, is Gibbs' second closest prospect sim if you look just at the past decade, I mean, McCaffrey, 202 pounds at the combine Gibbs, 199 people have sticker shock from the 199. They're the same size. I know they were different types of players in college. And I know McCaffrey carried the ball a lot more, but I mean, I think even if, if you say Gibbs has the potential to be McCaffrey light, wouldn't, you know, if he was 90% of McCaffrey, we should still be falling all over ourselves. Um, for a player like this. So yeah, really, really interesting. Not sure if I look back to December, if I would have seen myself ranking a second back this highly, you know, we were on Gibbs, but getting this draft capital, seeing some of your work, having a chance to understand and evaluate the rest of the class more, 
I mean, it's a, it's a home run. And Dave, I mean, I've got a lot of rookie drafts going. It's been impossible to trade up to 102. So, I mean, I pe- think people are, you know, seeing what they've got here and, and clinging to it. Uh, two more players to hit. No more running backs, though. Yes. So, um, in closing thoughts, definitely exciting about Gibbs. Then we have to get to a player that you had mentioned earlier uh, that obviously we were very high on, but I think for some people it was a bit of a deflating landing spot. And that, of course, is Jackson Smith in Jigba. Uh, He will be in Seattle with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. The high-level initial reaction that you would have is, all right, this is a bit of a crowded place to go. Uh, It's a team where there's more or less an uncertain quarterback situation in the long term. Uh, You know, Gino was awesome last year. Does that carry to this year? Who knows? What do things look like there long term? DK Metcalf looks like he has a lot of run left. Tyler Lockett, the last couple of years, people have been wondering, when does that fall off start to happen? He's still been solid. You now introduce a third wide receiver into this offense. He gets nice draft capital rounds out that profile, but what do we do with this landing spot? Where did you end up slinging him in? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Maybe higher than some would think, but I'll talk through it, all right? So I've got him at 28 overall, and he's my dynasty wide receiver 12. Okay. Um, So that he's following Chris Olave and Tyreek Hill, and then... Um, he's directly in front of Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. So why don't you react to that? And then I'll talk through some of my thought process here. Yeah. Well, so the the first thing I want to say here, actually, Curtis, I love what you did in this article by not just mentioning where you have them, but then giving a little table that shows where they fall between. That's really helpful for context here. Um, And when you see him underneath a guy like Chris Olave or Tyreek Hill, that feels right to me. Um, Tyree Kill, a player who we still expect to have maybe one or two really solid years of production. But, uh, you know, as Hill has said, I'd say more. I'd say more. I think he's going to age like Antonio Brown, man. Well, hey, man, he says he's going to get out of the league early. He says he's getting out early. 
Then you got Chris. <laughs> then you got Chris Olave, who, of course, uh, you know he played with at Ohio State. Um, given this landing spot with the Seahawks, it's hard to push him up much higher. But that yeah. feels right. I think at this point, um, his value is one of these wide receivers that you should be able to get many years out of. Moves it moves him over a player like Barkley uh, or like Jacobs. I guess I'd have to think a little bit more about some of those other names um, that we would see ahead of Olave and Hill to see if there's a case to be made to put him above them. Um, but given that we could have a bit of a slower year one, I'm not sure that I would actually go that far. Yeah. That, I mean, you kind of, you kind of hit the nail on the head there is because, you know, yes, we're playing dynasty. Yes. We want to, you know, get these players before they're impossible to buy, but at the same time, we are also trying to win our championships every year. Now, I think that by the end of the season, JSN could be the best receiver on the Seahawks. Yep. Uh, it might take a, a, you know, a month or so for that to happen. But, you know, let's not forget, you know, what we're dealing with here. Um, you know, Smith and Jigba is probably a lucky discount that we should have never gotten. You know, like he wanted to get his NIL money, right? And he wasn't fully healthy. And, you know, he kind of limped through the season. It's just, you know, if he had sat out, you know, let's just say alternate universe and in Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't even suit up for the Buckeyes. He just says, I'm taking the year off. I forego my NIL money and I'm just, I'm not going to risk getting hurt and I'm just going to sit out and then come in fresh to the league in the 2023 NFL draft. And the last performance you saw from me is my 340 some odd yard performance against Utah in the Rose bowl. I mean, he pro I think, you know, he would have at that point been viewed even, even more elite than, than he kind of was evaluated here. It's hard to separate like the soft tissue stuff. And then people pick apart the athleticism when, when failing to, you know, appreciate that the type of player that JSN is like, he projects as a Cooper cup type of player. He doesn't project, at, he doesn't need to run a four, three, eight. And in yeah. fact, I don't know like what happens but it seems like by mid-July, everyone remembers every year, oh, yeah, there's actually, to a some degree, a, a negative correlation between the high end 40 times and draft position with wide receiver. Um, and and I, there's been multiple studies that have been done here at Rotoviz over the years, and we just see time and time again that you need to be fast enough, but you don't need to be the fastest. And, and in fact, some of the really poor-performing athletic uh a metrics sets over the years have still gone on to be PPR monsters. I mean, Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen come to mind. Keenan Allen ran like a four, seven or something. <laughs> it's just like, yep. what's going on here. So, so anyway, let's imagine JSN doesn't even play and, and people are rational, you know, about the 40, et cetera. You know, he, he would have had that Jeff, Justin Jefferson type profile where every box was checked, the age, the peak production, the career production. I mean, his career production totals are still elite even though they're weighted down by these, you know, kind of incomplete games that he played this year. And, you know, our, our prospect box score scout still filters that quality, even though it doesn't know how to adjust for a basically, you know, a zero season in 2022, his top 10 still includes Justin Jefferson, who I mentioned, Chris Olave, Jerry, Judy, Percy Harvin, and George Pickens. That's an awesome group of players to pull when your final season stats are so poor. So, yeah, 
you know, I am judging this player off of his peak and believing that he can achieve that peak. And if he does, you know, Lockett's 31, you know, he'll be relegated to, you know, third place in that offense pretty quickly. And DK is going to become, you know, the red zone target. And there's going to be certain matchups where, you know, maybe he'll be favored, but I think JSN is just going to be the target magnet. I think he's always going to be open. You got Geno Smith that completes passes at a 70% clip now in this newly reinvented, you know, version of himself. I, I think it's a great, it's a great fit. So very excited about Smith and Jigba. And I'm very excited about his attainability in rookie drafts too. I just saw him go off the board at, you know, 106 in one of the rookie drafts that I'm in now. I think that's actually gonna be a really common spot for him after the two running backs and after the three quarterbacks, him being that next priority player. So you don't have to give up quite as much to get there unless that person holding the 106 realizes what they've got. Yeah, so I think that you summed up a, a couple of the thoughts that I had there, some of the rationale, and what it comes down to is it's not so much any of the questions that I have about JSN that are keeping him from going up higher. It's just the fact that you have to wonder about how long it takes him to get inserted you know, to become the guy in this offense, which is very realistic. Uh, but as you said, lots of times what we're doing in Dynasty is trying to get ahead of that. Um, so I think that this ranking makes sense because I don't have many questions that we're going to see him ascend into that. And as a result, we're trying to beat the rest of the pack on valuing him there. I think that spot makes sense. A player that has been polarizing throughout the cycle. We spent a long time in discussions about him with Sean and Blair over the weekend. Uh, I think that you and I might have been a little bit more on the pessimistic side for him, yet we yep. still end up with him in a pretty favorable spot uh, is Anthony Richardson. Why don't you break down some of your thoughts on him, where he ended up landing, and then you know maybe we can go back and forth for a minute or two and, and break that down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we're all doing this begrudgingly, right? I mean, not, I mean everyone on our team, I think, still would you know, if we're, if we were making an NFL team, you know, we were split down the middle, right? I mean, Blair and Sean had a lean towards Bryce Young. You and I had a lean towards CJ Stroud, you know, we, we in, in the guide, you laid out a beautiful case for is in, in, in particular, the elite passing metrics of CJ Stroud. He's like a 99th percentile yep. um, prospect um, since 2004 and uh, 2005 rather. And, you know, you don't easily gloss over that, but with a young, you have young and Stroud, they land in brutal positions with very little surrounding talent. You know, with young, you have, you know, the size concerns and, you know, with Stroud, you have questions about, you know, will he run enough to really be more than like a Kirk Cousins type ceiling mm -hmm. of a player. And so, what you get is, you know, they're probably safe investments from totally busting, I think, but they could take a couple of seasons before, you know, maybe till year two anyway, till you would confidently even start them in that super flex spot sure. in your league. Like they're not going to quickly ascend to your QB one Richardson. All he needs to do probably is just start to get that because of his rushing ability. And you know, it just depends, you know, how bad is the passing ability? You know, we've seen team multiple teams in the past couple of years be really patient with their passers uh, developing, provided they can add something with the legs to a, a lesser degree. We saw it with Jalen Hurts 
to a, a more severe degree. We've seen it with Justin Fields, who, you know, becomes a thousand yard rusher, you know, still not really putting it together as a passer in the NFL. And I think that is why you can feel comfortable that Anthony Richardson could be really, really fantasy viable early is the Justin Jeff or is the uh, Justin Fields case rather, you know, it's, it's not much better of a wide receiver room there in Indy than in Chicago. I would say what you do have is probably a better situation for a young quarterback to be coached up. Shane Steichen comes over from Philadelphia. He was there in the two year turnaround of the Jalen hurts project. And he lands with Chris Ballard, who is a patient, you know, really intelligent GM, um, you know, that I think sticks to his guns and has given a lot of freedom by the ownership there in Indianapolis. I think this is a great spot for Richardson to land because they, they seem, they are saying all the right things around being patient, developing. They are saying that Richardson's, you know, holes in his passing game are due to lack of experience, not lack of ability. And you already hear Steichen saying like the way for him to improve is just to play you know, he needs more reps. So he's going to get reps. So I think he's going to play early, which is, you know, that means he has a really unique opportunity to be one of those players that impacts the 2023 season at the quarterback position from a discount um, scenario. So I've got him QB 11 in dynasty. It feels gross because I, I really don't believe in him as a, a passer, but I have to separate what I think about him as a total player from what I think he could mean you know, to us as fantasy owners. And so I've got him QB 11, which is probably way too low or, or way too high. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. He's immediately behind a couple of players who I think are maybe in the last year of their real big difference maker uh, scenarios and Stefan Diggs and Devonte Adams. I think they will be relevant for a couple more years, but this still feels like a year that they could have some of that elite production again. In some cases, you know, you could even argue that Devontae might even take a step forward with Garoppolo versus what he had in Carr. So I've got Richardson behind those two. They're just, you know, bona fide producers. And then I've got him right above Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott. I think Prescott is tapped out. He's probably played his best fantasy seasons. Cowboys are talking about taking him, you know, the wrong direction from an offensive perspective. Mike McCarthy saying he wants to run the damn ball. And Kellen Moore got fired because he was trying to light the scoreboard up. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what you really want to hear. And Prescott nope. did not look like the same type of guy at all in 2022 either. And Daniel Jones, I think, has room to run. But as much as you want to believe in Brian Dayball's ability to turn him around, he didn't get his Stephon Diggs yet. Like, you know, Dayball helped Allen take that step forward. But Jones is not the level of runner that Allen is. And he's still, I think there, even after this draft, there's still a lot of questions about what do the Giants really have at wide receiver. So, um, yeah, Dave, I, I'm really curious to see what, what you've got to say. I'm, I'm hoping you can give me some guidance on whether it should be higher or lower. Um, if you have the same level of uncertainty, I guess it'll feel like a minor victory, but it's, it's not going to help me feel more solid about this 36 overall ranking. So uh, I have two thoughts that stand out to me. The first being when I look at this, in the article here and I see him underneath Diggs and Adams that just like, it, it feels wrong, even knowing that it's super flex. But then the next thought that I have is this is a symptom or an artifact, if you will, of the fact that we are doing an exercise where we're ranking players. And no matter how you construct your rankings, there's always some element of context that gets lost. 
Uh, and in the case of a player like Richardson, you have to have him here because of that upside. Then given the situation that he's in this year with the case that you laid out for those other young quarterbacks entering the league that don't have some of the elements to their at their disposal that you have in Richardson's profile, it does start to make sense. You know, you don't want to start putting him ahead of guys like Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott. But if you really take a step back and think of where a lot of the players like them and those other quarterbacks are in at their careers, even if you get it wrong with Richardson in exactly where you have him ranked, it probably makes sense given what he could be in comparison to what you're probably going to get from those players. Um, as a result of that, Curtis, I want to kind of push back against this, but I, I actually don't think that I can. And it's most apparent if you go into our ranking set, you if you just filter for quarterback and you do it that way, you look at the players ahead of him. You have guys like Lawrence, Herbert, Jackson, Murray, Watson. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Then you start to look at some of the veteran passers behind him. There's questions about so many of them. Tua, at this point, it's going to be hard to put ahead of him. You're not going to have somebody like Kenny Pickett or Jordan Love, I don't think. At this point, we've got to see some of what they can do in smaller samples. Does They're not players that have the upside like Richardson does. Then there's guys like Desmond Ritter, Goff, Lance, Carr, Sam Howell. And you see why we end up with a player like Richardson where he does. Then, of course, you have to extend that out to the other positions. But ultimately, though this feels wrong and you don't like it, in the context of a ranking, I think this is where you end up with him. You're not far off probably in either direction of where he needs to slate, I don't think. Yeah, with a player like this, you've I mean, you got to pay to play. Right. I mean, you got to pay to play. Uh, you either you're willing to put them in a spot that recognizes some of the upside or you just have no exposure. Yeah. I mean, this is where this is where we put this is right in that area, that late three, early four area where we put Justin Fields a couple years ago. And, you know, there was pushback there as well because he just wasn't viewed as having that same type of profile as as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, who was immediately dropped in as a second round dynasty startup pick from the time that he was just selected. But we've seen, even though fields hasn't been the type of passer that Lawrence has been able to come, you know, a couple years in now hasn't mattered. I mean, he's been a better fantasy producer um, for, for the, well, at least, you know, last year. And so, you know, that's, this is where, this is where Richardson goes. Well, you know, we're curious to hear your feedback. you got a big problem with where I rank some of these guys, you know, you can uh, shoot the podcast and email, shoot us some questions. If you're confused about what you should do, the top of your rookie draft, you got some scenarios. Should I trade these players, et cetera? I mean, this is a really big week for Dynasty. So, you know, for the next show this week, you know, we can try to get to some of those questions if you want to send them in. And then, of course, we've got to get, you know, in the next week or two, Dave, we got to start talking about Best Ball Mania 4 from Underdog. If you want to go ahead and make a deposit, you never made a deposit before, uh, Rotoviz will match your deposit up to hundred bucks. Just go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code Rotoviz. And then you can also use promo code underdog at Rotoviz and get 50% off a one month sub. So you can use all of our underdog tools for those first couple of drafts, get hooked on Rotoviz. And then, you know, I think you know, probably want to mate with us for life after that. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. 
follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.